0: Amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap. Isn't it good to be in church? Thank you. You may grab a seat. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. As I said, we're making it through the grace passage of Paul's uh, a book to the people of Ephesus, known as Ephesians. We're in these 10 verses right now. Today's message is going to be works versus grace. This is probably uh, what we would say the crucial point of what Paul was making in these 10 verses. So we're going to read through it. And when I, whenever you see the word grace, I want you to say it with me. And then when we get to today's passage, which is verses 8 and 9, I want you to read them out loud. So anytime you see the word grace, just say it with me, and then everybody read out loud 8 and 9, because that will be our passage today. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and onward. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us us. Somebody say all of us. Thank you. Lived among them at one time. We were just like everybody else. We were sinners, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So we see this first portion of the scripture. Paul is saying everybody was born dead in sin. Why? Because Adam and Eve sinned, and God said, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely... Die And they died spiritually and then began to die physically. He said we all did this while following the spirit of the age or the kingdom of this air. He's at work in those who are disobedient. And I've helped you understand. This doesn't mean that we were demon-possessed. It just means like a river has a current going downstream. We were in the raft of sin going downstream with the devil. And it didn't matter what culture we were from and, or what cultures you even see today. Bollywood in India is going downstream with the devil just like Oprah Winfrey Little Wayne and uh, uh, Celine Dion in Vegas. Are you listening? If Celine Dion's not born again, where is she going? hell because she's dead in her transgressions and sin. We don't say hell lightly around here, but we do say it a lot. Jesus talked actually more about hell than he did about heaven because he doesn't want you to go there. He wants you to be aware of the battle that you're in. But the Bible says we were born in sin. We followed the ways of the world naturally and some of those ways were even religious ways. Maybe we were taught by our grandparents to pray to a certain saint or we were told to do certain things that were superstitious. And we did that because that's what we were told. That's what we were brought up to believe. And sometimes you'll talk to people and they'll say, well, if you were born in Saudi Arabia, you, Saudi Arabia, you would be a Muslim. And if you were born in China, you would be a Buddhist. All these religions, it's just man-made tradition. No, that's not necessarily true because you can convert and change. But if you've been taught the Christian truth, then thank God for it. Because other places can say two plus two is five, but if If you were brought up knowing two plus two is four, can I get an amen? So that means you were taught the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So just because you have been born into a Christian nation, do not take that for granted because there's other places that have to fight for the truth. And even now in this nation, they're saying we're a post-Christian nation because people are now turning against God, and it's getting a little bit harder. Sometimes do you feel the persecution, maybe from your friends? Uh, maybe they look down on you because they, you don't accept their lifestyle, or you feel like you're left out of their, their parties. They don't invite you. You're the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in, one, in, in other words. But why? Because you don't do what they do. You're not going downstream with the devil. Now look at verse 3 all of us lived among them gratifying the cravings of our flesh following its desires and thoughts and this is what we talked about last week was the flesh versus the spirit and so all of us have had an idea of what it is to be born a sinner but then we choose sin on our own so take for example right now my children they they know that something's not right because they'll disobey and then they'll get spanked and they won't like that but yet they keep choosing to do it my children even though they know a spanking hurts and they don't want it there's a battle on the inside of them and bible calls this the cravings of our flesh and it's an it so are you a he she or an it you are a he or a she. You're not an it. But what is your flesh? Is your flesh a he, she, or an it? No, it's considered an it. Yes, it's not a he or a she. So you are a person that lives in a physical body, but you're no more your stomach than you're your brain. Your brain dies. Your mind lives on. Your senses die with the nervous system, but your emotions live on. Your muscles and, and, and strength of the The body dies, but your will lives on. You are a body with the brain and the five senses, a soul with a mind, will, and emotions, and a spirit with the life of God. But once again, this is the bad news. The Bible now says we're born separated from God, dead in our relationship to him. Our spirit is not what it's supposed to be. We then live in our soul, sinful, in our mind, will, and emotions, and then our body with its cravings and desires control us We become a a slave to it, and like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Everybody say, naughty by nature. Now, do you know what I do? Do you notice this every week how I teach you these scriptures? How many take that for granted? I hope that you don't, but how many appreciate it? Can I hear an amen? Would you read your Bible now, do you kind of hear these things echoing in your heart? One brother wrote to me uh, earlier on when we started doing the book of Ephesians, and he said, every time I get to these passages, you know, I start thinking about what you've taught us. Isn't that my job as a pastor to teach you the scriptures? I was talking to another couple that was in my house this past uh, weekend, and they were talking about how they visited other churches, but I'm their favorite teacher. And that doesn't mean I want to pat on the back for that. I want you to understand why I do that. Why do I not just skip ahead, start preaching, a whole bunch of fun things to motivate you to be the best you possible. Why is it I take these passages on, verse by verse, and then when we're in the passage every single week, I take at least five to ten minutes to do what they call exegesis. I take the meaning, exit it, out of the text. Why do I do that? Because I want you to know the Bible. And I want you to know the truth because when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And you won't take me with you when you go to your job, but you'll have the word of God with you. I can't, you can play my podcast to your your family, parents, but it's going to be a lot better if you can read the Bible and explain it to them. So how would you explain this passage to your children? I like to think of it like that. How would you explain it, teenagers, to somebody that uh, you sit at the lunch table with or those who are going to work Monday if you're out with a co-worker for lunch? How would you explain this to them? I hope you take note of this time before the services, uh, before I start preaching this pre service, uh, this pre-exegesis time because this is important. This is how we understand God's word and his will for our lives. And this, last part is very significant because a lot of people don't understand that by nature they are deserving of wrath and my friends that's the problem because whenever I talk about hell what everybody always likes to say to me is oh pastor I'm not going to hell only only bad people go there and I'll say oh are you a good person then yeah I'm a good person how do you know well I don't steal I don't kill I don't murder how many of you have heard that before but they miss the whole point. By nature, they deserved wrath. What is the nature? Touch your nature right now that deserves wrath. Your flesh and then on the inside. Because you've made those choices to follow your flesh. So let me ask you this. Do you, after the time you've been born, do you have to sin to earn your way to hell? Or is it the moment you're born, you are already by nature heading to hell? A or B? Come on. The first one is you have to sin and earn it or B, you're born into it. A or B? It's B. So everybody, and by the way, I apologize. We had an eager beaver come in this morning and crank up the heat to about 75. Uh, Pray for him. Lord bless him. How many of y'all a little uncomfortable right about now? I see the air conditioning coming on. I'm, I'm looking at Jared. It wasn't you? Oh, I'm sorry. It was another eager beaver. Note to self, do not do that again. By the way, I had a little, little little, whisper of the Holy Spirit tell me about today. That's why I wore shorts, and I came here cool, because I just had a feeling we don't get it right. We always either have it too hot or too cold, and I can always deal with too cold, but for some reason during these intermediate times, we always go a little bit too hot, so thank you for your patience. But I want you to think about that. Are you a sinner because you sin, or do you sin because you're a sinner? Let's go A or B again. A, are you a sinner because you sin, or B, do you sin because you were born a sinner? B, I don't sin and become a sinner. I don't become one. I sin because I am one. It's very key to understanding these next parts of the passage. Because when God says you're saved, you don't do holy things to get saved. You get saved to do holy things. Let me drop it on you again. Come on. Do you become a sinner? Do you become a sinner by nature because you sin? Or do you sin because you're born a sinner by nature, A or B? Now let's just skip ahead so you guys can see you can see the comparison. Do you do holy Christian righteous things to become saved or do you get saved and do holy righteous things A or B? You see how important it is? Nature is determined by two Adams, the first Adam, the second Adam. The first Adam was the Adam we all know, ate of the tree, brought us into death, and all of his lineage is born naughty by nature. Jesus is known as the second Adam because he comes perfect in the flesh, and now all who are born again by his power are given his nature. So which Adam are you living by today? Do you get the analogy? Are you living by the Adamic nature you got at birth, or are you living by the second Adam that Jesus paid for on the cross at rebirth? I was born naughty by nature, but born again into the divine nature. Amen. That's why Paul continues on. He says, but because of his great love for us, remember when you see grace, read it out please. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace, thank you, you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, thank you, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let's read 8 and 9 together for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast and I'll read verse 10 thank you for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do so do I do good works to get saved or do I do good works because I've been saved God saves us first to do the good works. So is there anybody here that can use the excuse and say, I just can't do good works. Whatever God has commanded me, Pastor, this is too hard for me. Can anybody use that excuse? No, because Jesus says, I know it's impossible for you. That's why I'm going to save you, not by your works, but by my grace, because I love you. And then you will do good works, because I'm literally going to make you to be a person that can do good works. My handiwork is to get you to work. I mean, imagine it like this. If I said to you, can you fly 600 miles an hour without a plane by yourself, flap your wings? Of course not. But if I said, hey, here's a 747, get in it, made to fly 600 miles an hour, would you now have the ability to fly 600 some miles an hour? Yes. The choice then would be up to you. Do you stay with the chickens or do you soar with the eagles? Do you keep making excuses going well I can't flap my wings fast enough to do 600 miles an hour or do you say you know what I can't but I got a ticket given to me by my pastor I'll go into this 747 and take off do you look at your life and say all the things you can't do because you were born a sinner? Maybe you were born with certain tendencies. Maybe you were set back by the culture, the side of the tracks you were born on. I mean, I was born Italian, and I just have a lot of energy and all these things. But do I use that as an excuse? Do I say, well, I was born in the American culture, listening to Cypress Hill and, you know, all these rock groups and Metallica. Do I use this as an excuse and say, well, I'm a hormonal man. What else do you expect me to do? one woman can't satisfy me you know do I make those excuses or do I hear the message of God's grace and say save me Lord I want to be saved I receive the free gift the gift of salvation doesn't come by me flapping my wings. It doesn't come by me doing that. You can no more save yourself and do the good works of God. You can no more do that than you can flap your arms and fly 30,000 feet in the air at 600 miles an hour. You can't. So anything you look at in the Bible that comes across to you as the equivalent of flying, flapping 30,000 in the air at 600 miles an hour, like do not lust. You look at that as impossible as you're trying to, to flap your wings. You don't understand the grace of God. Because what God is saying is, I already know you can't. I know you're born naughty by nature. I was there and Adam blew the whole thing up. But he said, I was also there when my son said, it is finished salvation is finished in the mind of God. The gift has already been paid for, wrapped up, and is being handed out to every single one of us who wants to be saved. Who wants to be the handiwork of God? Now, do you want to try to work your way to heaven or do you want to receive it by grace? Well, come on. you got to make that decision yourself today. Today's message is salvation by works or by grace. I wonder how many of us were taught in religion that we were saved by works. You don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to think about how many of you maybe were taught that if you wanted to be better, you had to do better. You know, were you ever taught that? You know, if you want to be better, do better. Or if you don't do it for yourself, nobody's going to do it for you. See, that's not the message of grace. We can no more save ourselves than we can give ourselves a brain. We can't create one neuron in our head, let alone control the brain and the way that it works, you know, uh, we, we can reprogram the brain in one sense as we talked about before, but I'm talking about actually creating a brain. God gave us the gift of life and he's given us the gift of salvation because we threw it away. Sin brought death. So sin should not be the thing that you wish you could do if God just wasn't so strict all the time. Sin is the thing you should hate to do because you love Jesus so much. You shouldn't want to see how close to hell you can get and still go to heaven. You should want to see how close to heaven you can get and still be on earth. Do you see the difference? Here's another way to look at it. Sin is what you do when you're not satisfied in God. Husbands, cheating is what you do when you're not satisfied with your wife. Children, sin is what rebellion is what you do when you're not in love with your parents and thankful for all they did. Do you see it? Sin comes from an ungrateful heart, and sin isn't really the pleasure we think it is. It does have temporary pleasure. The Bible's very honest about that. The Bible never hides that from us. There's a draw to sin, a craving to sin that has a temporary pleasure, but the Bible says it ends in death. It ends in pain. It ends in suffering. And so what God is taking us from is sin to life. He's taking us from the curse to the blessing. He's taking us from a conscience that feels condemned all the time to a conscience that's free and clean. How many want clean hands and a pure heart today? How many want to stop beating yourself up all the time, being your own worst enemy? This is the message of grace. It's a salvation message by grace. Everybody say grace. Now, this may be a review for some of you, but i got to put it up because this is part of Paul's message. And this is where I got it from in the times you've seen me use it. But what does works-based salvation look like? Works-based salvation looks like Mike 3.16 because you guys have heard John 3.16, right? And so Mike 3.16 is what? This is what Mike says at your job. This is what Mike says. Little by little, God is saving me because when I do my part, he does his part. And when I do better, I become better. So don't give me none of that religious stuff. Don't tell me that God can change me overnight. I want to let God change me little by little. And so this is what they're on. They're on the progress bar of salvation. The day they came to church, maybe they were a 0%. They were lost. But now they're a 10% Christian. They read their Bible a little bit. They go to church. And they're going to keep growing as a Christian in their salvation. And so one day maybe, boop, 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 they'll be 20% saved, 30% saved. Well, Pastor, and by the way, November fifth, 1995, this day marks for me 22 years of salvation. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So pastor, you've been doing this for 22 years. Where are you at? Well, I'm about 60% saved. And if you try hard like me, you'll get to be 60% saved. Is that what the Bible says? Now, is there such a thing called spiritual growth? Yes, spiritual growth is different than salvation. Just as it is different from my child being born and them growing. My child is born in an instant, coming through the womb. They're born. They're outside the womb. Now for the rest of their life, they grow. Just the same if you were being saved out of a flood they're like in Katrina or a hurricane. Yeah, you're saved and then the copter takes you somewhere and you continue to do your stuff. But you are either saved or lost according to the Bible. You're either born again or you're dead in your sins. You are either... God. God's masterpiece, or you're the devil's uh, lackey, you're the devil's slave. Let's compare Mike 3:16 to Ephesians 2, verse 8, what we just read. Tell me what does it look like? Does it look like what we looked at the work side, or does it look like the hundred percent? Look at this: for it is by grace you have been what saved. Past tense, boom, done. Download, boom, you're saved. Through faith, this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. So how should we describe salvation as this lifelong process? I'm on a journey, man. I'm just learning more about this every day. You see, we can use that terminology in a right way, or we can use it in a wrong way. Do I have a spiritual growth journey? Am I learning more about God? Absolutely. But am I getting more saved along the way? No. I got saved November 5th, 1995, not because of anything I did. I didn't get saved because I was better than you. I didn't get saved because I knew more Bible verses than you. I don't get credit for this. You see, but if this is how salvation works, then you see, people can take credit for this. See, I got to 60% saved because I was a better Christian than you. Look at me. Come on. And then somebody else just kind of like pipes up, I am 90% saved. Yes, 10% still belongs to the devil. But yes, 90% belongs to Jesus. And then we go, ah, look at him or look at her. They only now have 10% less of the devil. Isn't Jesus so good? This is the way we talk on Facebook all the time. People get angry when we put up the scriptures that say you're saved, so live like you're saved. We tell people all the time, if you are a Christian, you're born again into the divine nature, not the naughty nature. And then they want to make all of these excuses to keep sinning as if that somehow God is pleased with this. This is not what God told us to do. Let's look at another passage. First, let me show you Second Flesh, chapter 2, verse 11. Because this is what people say in their flesh God is still working on me, and one day I'll be who he wants me to be. And let's say this last part together, because nobody is perfect. Now, granted, Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And the word holy is synonymous with the word perfect. And it says, be holy for God is holy. The word blameless is synonymous with perfect. And God said, be blameless in this generation. But forget all those scriptures. Let me just tell you what it's like to be me. Well, I just let God work on me. And sometimes I'm not so good. And when I'm not so good, Boop, boop. I go down because I used to be 50%, but now, sadly, I'm 30%. But that's okay because nobody's perfect. Nobody. Now, you ask them, you ask them, well, let's look at what perfection is. Are, are you perfect at not murdering people or are you still struggling on a timeline of growth with that? Because if you're still struggling with murdering people, I don't know if I want to let you around my kids. So would you be honest? Well, I'm pretty much perfect at not murdering. How about smoking crack? Are you perfect at not smoking crack? Like, can you say, like, yeah, 100%, I'm not smoking crack today. 100%. That's, that is for sure I'm not going to Buki, scoring a piece and smoking it out of a pipe. That's True. Well, if that can happen in small ways, why can't you say in my heart, I'm 100% saved? I belong 100% to Jesus. So, what if I sin? If I sin, I ask for forgiveness, but I'm still 100% saved. My son was born into my family. If he sins, does he become less a part of my family? Lucas, now you are only 80% a white rostic. How dare you! Is that what happens? But that's how we think, like I'm less saved today because I sinned, but I was more saved last week when I didn't sin. It's foolishness. Either you're saved or you're not. Look at what 2 Corinthians five seventeen says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a jacked up creation that God is still working on. Now, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The new is here. So are you saved or are you not? So what does a saved person do when they sin? They repent and live saved. You don't make excuses. You don't say, nobody is perfect. No, if God wanted you to use that excuse, he never would have put that word repent in the Bible. And use that excuse with the police officer. Nobody's perfect, so that's why I go 150 miles an hour down here on the highway. Or go to the judge. Nobody's perfect. That's why I don't pay my taxes anymore. You know, is, is, is the judge or the police officer going to go, well, of course, you know, I make mistakes, you make mistakes, it's all the same. We don't expect you to ever do anything right in this world. No, we always expect each other to do right, don't we? And you may say, "Why well, don't always act perfect. Yes, there's a difference between being perfect in Christ, perfectly saved, perfectly His child, and acting like it. There is a difference. And spiritually, you can grow up like a child to a teenage, and adult, and learn what Christ wants you to do. But that growth has nothing to do with you becoming a new creation. It's not the better you do, the more newer you become. You become new because of what Christ did. So here's the deal. You either be a Christian or you try to work your way to be one. And I'll tell you what, if you try to work your way to be one and do, do, do a bunch of works, all you're going to do is have a bunch of do-do because you'll fail at it. But if you let God save you, you'll be saved now, and he'll use you to do good works. It's just like it was in the beginning. Did I become a sinner because I sinned, or was I born a sinner, and that's why I sinned? A or B? Come on. Y'all got to get up today. Help me preach. Did I, A, become a sinner when I started sinning, or B, was I born a sinner, and that's why I sinned? B. Do I do a bunch of good works to become 100% a Christian, or do I become 100% a Christian by the God's, God's grace and do good works? A or B? B, thank you. I have on my chart here a comparison. What does it look like when you try to save yourself with works? Well, you focus on your self-effort. What does it look like when you trust Jesus by his grace? You focus on Jesus' effort. See, the one who makes little of the gospel keeps looking at what they have to do. The one who makes the gospel huge is the one is looking at what Jesus did. You see, is it about what you do or is it about what Jesus did? He said, it is finished. The works-based salvation person really gets in this little rat race, the gerbil wheel. I'm trying to save myself because they like sin. That's why they stay there. It's a hard issue. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You are in that sin because you like it. If you enjoyed righteousness, you would walk away from it. It's just like me looking at my wife going, honey, I love you so much but i got to go out with this girl over here. But I love you so much. It's like, no, you don't. If you loved me, you would not want to leave me. It's the same way with God. Let's not try to play God like that. The works-based mindset makes God's grace uh the way they live unholy as an excuse well god will forgive me god will forgive me you know god will forgive me but you see that may be true but that's not the right heart will i forgive my son lucas today if he takes crayons and puts it all over our wall will i forgive him yes but should he use my forgiveness to go home and disobey me and put crayon all over the wall No, those who truly love Jesus live holy by God's grace. Grace is not an excuse to sin. Grace is a reason to live holy. Those who want to try to save themselves justify their sin by comparison. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. You should see my sister. You should see my cousin. Man, they don't even go to church. No, the person who's saved, saved, who knows they're saved, just repents of sin. I don't compare myself to my wife when we're in an argument and try to hold back what I got to get right. No, 100, 100, not 50-50. I go 100%, she goes 100%. If she ever stops giving 100%, I'm still going 100%. If you go zero, I'm still going 100 So I got to be right with my God. Are you listening? people neglect God's word they make up stuff that's why when you don't listen to God's word you listen to other preachers or other things it, it like it like it tantalizes you like oh that makes sense well listen to me there's a way the bible says there's a way that seems right to a man but in the end leads to death just because it makes sense to you don't buy into it the devil's a slick liar he's always been like that That's why, you know, did I not show you the scripture today? You go through Ephesians this week, 1 through 10. You pray over it. Memorize each verse, two verses a day. You can have them all done. Just go through it, and you ask yourself, is my pastor telling me what the Word says? See, they neglect God's Word, but the ones who are saved, man, they run to God's Word. As the old-timers used to say, the Word will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from the Word. Seven. When you want to try to save yourself, you find out how powerless you are against sin and temptation. You find out how quickly it doesn't work when you try to do it yourself. But you see, the person who knows who they are in God defeats sin and temptation by the word. Can, can your pastor testify here real quick? Listen, my other friend pastor just called me up the other day while he was doing a men's group because he wanted me to testify about me not looking at pornography since 96. See, could you have a testimony like that among your friends and family? Hey, man, I want to get you around some of these dudes that are struggling with their sexuality. They're always looking at girls and all this. Could somebody call you over, gentlemen, and say, hey, tell them your testimony? Another pastor got me on the phone and says, you're one of the most real guys that I know in this area. Well, what, am I better than these guys? No, why is it I've lived free from pornography since 96, fall break of my freshman year of Bible college? It's because Jesus defeated sin for me. He said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. He told us to pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. You can be free from all sin the day you decide to believe. You can be free from all sin. We don't have to keep on sinning. Just like I don't have to cheat on my wife or go smoke crack today. It's all the same. Sin is sin. The flesh is the flesh. Can I get an amen? Amen. Just real quickly, the one who's looking at themself, they give the devil too much credit. Oh, the devil's working on me. The devil's working on me. The Christian says the devil's defeated. He's under my feet. He is nothing but a defeated serpent crushed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the cross. The one lacks faith, they're very religious though. They'll tell you all the religious things they do. Well, I've been to this conference, I've had this pastor pray for me, I've had Father Tom give me communion, I've confessed my naughty secrets to him, but nothing works. Well, the reason is, is because they don't live by faith and, and reject false religion. Now, let me ask you a question. What difference does it make if I'm wearing a suit up here and I'm still hooked on pornography? Would you rather have a pastor up here that keeps looking at women's chests, wears a three-piece suit, has to continually confess perversion, or would you like a dude in shorts that could say, I haven't touched that junk since 96? You understand what I'm saying? One is religion. Another one is freedom in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why I don't care if they don't like me. I don't care if they don't like me. I've had pastors try to hide their sin from me, stop hanging out and they block me on Facebook. I don't care. You can be fake and phony in front of your church. I know who I am. I know what God has done in my life. I know it's all by his grace. That's why I'm saved. And that's why I tell you I repent of my sin so there's nothing to hide. What is there to hide if I repent of my sin? And God keeps me from that sin. Oh, come on, Somebody works based person wants to find others to agree with them. Let me go find other people on Facebook now to agree with me cuz I don't really like what pastor Joe said. Let me ask my pastor friend this. Pastor friend, let me ask you this. Is it true we're supposed to not live free uh, is, it, is it true we're supposed to live free from sin all the time or or is it really that nobody's perfect and, and it's okay if we sin every now and then? Listen to me. I don't care how many people tell you a lie. Jesus said know the truth and that sets you free. This is, the, this is the faith of a Christian. This is what a Christian believes. They love correction. They love accountability. You ever notice that when people don't want to live for Jesus, they stop coming to church, they stop wanting to be accountable? Why is it I don't have a problem with any man here asking me how am I treating my wife? Why? Because I have a good report to tell them. And if I should have to confess something to them, I know I can do it in humility because I'm not hiding anything from them. But why is it we can't get the people to come to the marriage life group and confess their sins and be accountable? Why can't we get the teenagers to be faithful? Why is it always a church that's like ours and discipleship has a revolving door? It's because people want to go outside of a good church like this to find people to agree with them in their sins. They think it's better for them because it feels better temporarily, but it's actually no different than if our sister goes to get checked for cancer and the doctor says, no, you're all good because I don't want to hurt your feelings, but the cancer is growing and spreading. Yes, she may have it and have to get the treatment and that may be not comfortable, but if that helps her live, is that better? And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that discipline doesn't always feel good, but if it's good discipline, it brings forth life. They always complain about them being weak. Oh, I'm so weak. I can't do nothing about this. But the ones who know who they are in Christ talk about who God is on the inside of them. Did you hear anywhere in today's message about me testifying that I'm taking credit for being a holy man of God? I hope you don't. I hope you hear me saying it's all by God's grace. And when I stumble in sin, it's because I tried to do it myself. Do you ever notice that you sin when you stop trusting God? It's when you find your own way of doing it. Lead me. Look. look what does the Bible say? Psalm twenty-three. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down uh, in the green pastures. Leads me to the sides of still and quiet waters. Now watch this. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Is is God in your life today? Yes, he's leading you down paths of righteousness. And lastly, they're cynical. Look at this, please, in closing. They're cynical of those who say they live holy. It's like you hear this preaching, and you're like, "No, no, this can't be right. this guy, this guy is going to be like everybody else. We're going to find out. We're going to find out he's doing crystal meth with a homosexual prostitute downtown in uh, Boy's Town. You know, like this. This can't be true. Uh, th- you know, if this pastor says he's holy and all this. We're going to find out somewhere along the line he's lying." Because nobody's perfect. Nobody can do, you know, no one can live 100% for Jesus. This, this is the best it's ever going to be. They become cynical. But those who truly know what salvation is, they desire and pray to live holy. Why do you want me to fall? To prove it to you that everybody can fall. Don't you want to see somebody live holy? So pray for your pastor to live holy. I want to see you live holy. I don't get any, um, I don't get any joy out of watching backsliders ruin their life even though I don't want them to leave the church or do the wrong things, but when they blow up their whole life, I don't sit back and be like, I told you so. I so told you. No, I break for them. Look at Jesus going before Jerusalem, before he's crucified, he's weeping. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wish I could gather you in like a mother hen does her chicks. I wish I could do this for you, but you haven't let me. I believe God is saying that to all of us. I want you to live holy. Will you let me make you my handiwork? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Somebody say that was just the introduction. Because now I got about 20 scriptures I want to read, but I don't know how I'm going to get to them all. Let me just read as many as I can in the next few moments. Thank you for your patience. Band would you come. Somebody say full salvation. It was prophesied in Ezekiel chapter 26 to 27 the prophet said when Jesus comes i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you i will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit in you to move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God our, through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm justified, never sinned, justified. That's what that word means. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 11 that is what some of you were and he just listed off in verses 9 and 10 a crazy list you guys were prostitutes some of you were homosexual some of you were swindlers others of you were liars and you were prideful you were selfish that is what some of you were but you were washed you were sanctified that means made holy you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God somebody say i was washed Somebody say, I was sanctified. Somebody say, I was justified. You've heard 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, just a few verses down, says, God made him, talking about Jesus, the second Adam, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Am I a progress bar becoming more and more righteous or am I the righteousness of God? Come on, are you trying to get more and more and more and more and more righteousness? Are you trying to do it yourself or have you been made the righteousness of God? You've heard it already today, Ephesians 2.8, By grace you have been saved through faith, not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, masterpiece, in another translation, created. See, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared you and me to be holy, to make the right decisions in life. He's prepared the path. He says there's no temptation that will overtake you that he has not made a way of escape. Any moment you find yourself in, God has already been there before you and has made a way for you to live righteous and holy. Let that blow your mind. That's predestination right there. Later on in Ephesians, and I can't wait to get to this, but i got to keep showing it to you now. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, you were taught with regard to your formal way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. you see how this determines the new self? You have to believe it. You have to believe it. You don't see it, then believe it. You believe it to see it. Believe Christ has made you new in your mind and you will see a new you when you look in the mirror. To be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You and I were created a hundred percent, boom, downloaded by the Holy Spirit and true righteousness and holiness. We were created by God for this purpose. Oh, Colossians 2, 9 through 10, I just got so excited, I had to read them all. Paul again here says, for in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. When you saw Christ, how much of deity, how much of God was in Christ? The fullness, somebody say the fullness. Whatever made the Father God, was there any of that divinity lacking in Christ? Whatever makes the Holy Spirit God, was there any of that lacking in Christ? Come on, I'm feeling this right now. Come on, get this. Was Jesus 90% God when he was on this earth? Was he 80% God when he was on this earth? Come on. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. You are not 80% a Christian. No more than 80% of Jesus was divine. Woo! You are not 70% a Christian. If Christ was fully God, you are fully like Christ today. Brought to fullness. You are a disciple, a child of God. Fullness. Fullness. I get so excited because I know how empty I am without him. And I'm so happy he doesn't give me 60%. Because it's not by my works, it's by his. First Peter chapter, 22, uh, chapter 1 verses 22 and 23. Having purified your souls. Are your souls purified or are they dirty? Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly. From a what kind of a heart? What kind of heart should you have? A pure heart, a perfect heart, a righteous heart, a holy heart, a blameless heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, not of a naughty nature, but of imperishable. Through the living and abiding word of God. 2 Peter 1 verse 4. Through these, talking about the promises of God. He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. I call this dancing with the divine. Having escaped, getting taken out of here. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Are you supposed to be all tangled up in evil desires? Are you supposed to be captured by evil desires? No, you're supposed to be dancing with the divine. you got Jesus on the inside of you. You've been set free from evil desires. Don't you run back to them. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. And if it couldn't get more clear, here is the author of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. For by one offering, one offering. How many times did Jesus have to die? One time. For by one offering... He has perfected for all time those who are made holy. When Jesus saved you on the cross, He perfected you for all time. You were made holy, sealed by His signet ring, paid for by the blood of Jesus. That's the point, my friend. Salvation by grace is the greatest claim of Christianity. Everything is based on it. If you miss God's grace, you miss heaven and everything that goes along with it. But if you receive God's grace by faith, you receive everything in the kingdom of God. Can I get a hand clap for Jesus today? Would you stand up? Come on. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Somebody say, Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Hallelujah. Gracias, Señor. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Look at what Jesus said as the altar workers come, please, because these altar workers are here to pray with anyone that wants to be born again, if you haven't been already. Look at what Jesus said to us. It's in a modern translation, but I think you'll get it because it speaks to works-based salvation. You're trying to save yourself. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Are you tired? You worn out? You burned out on religion? Come to me somebody just close their eyes I'll read it for you just hear Jesus say that to you today come to me get away with me and you'll recover life I will show you how to take a real rest walk with me and work with me watch how I do it Watch how Jesus does life, how he makes you a masterpiece. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Can you just raise up your hands right now, excuse me, sir, and just say, I receive it right now come on I receive a free life Woo! I receive a burden free life from my conscience that's condemned me and said I'm not good enough I receive a pure heart where religion said I wasn't perfect or not good enough oh I receive it today a new life no matter what life I was given the first time from whatever family culture whatever I was wherever I was born it doesn't matter Today I receive the life of Jesus. If you haven't been born again, do so right now and ask Jesus to come into your heart and save you and make you new, brand new by His Spirit. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, was buried and rose again. Those of you who are saved right now, just say, I believe. I believe I'm saved. I'm created, righteous and holy. By grace, thank Him. Before we go, just thank Him as you're praying. No matter who you are, do it with a heart of gratitude. The Bible says be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests unto the Lord, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind today. A few more moments be free, be free, never the same again, never the same again, never the same. Lord, I pray today as we leave out of this place that we leave out free, living our new identity in Jesus' name, and everybody said, can you give him one more hand clap of praise? Saints, come on. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, be saved by grace. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.